0: I want to read, uh, before we get into our text this morning, we're going to actually be in Genesis chapter 5, but I want to read a scripture to you from 1 Peter. I had thought of this scripture earlier in the week, and um, it is appropriate for Father's Day. 1 Peter chapter 3. Actually, I'm going to start at the top of the chapter and read a couple of verses, which really is applicable to wives. So Peter starts out here in 1 Peter 3, verse 1. Wives, likewise be submissive to your own husbands, that even... If some do not obey the word, they without a word may be won by the conduct of their wives when they observe your chest conduct accompanied by fear. Don't let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair, wearing gold, putting on fine apparel. Rather, let it be the hidden, per, let it be the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the spirit of God." <clears throat> Ladies, it's okay to wear your jewelry and your earrings. This not is not what the scripture is talking about. It's saying don't let the appeal be. and Don't let the attraction merely be those outward things. But let the attraction be that beauty, that inward beauty of the heart that's given to us through the incorruptible seed who is Christ Jesus. And the exhortation is to wives... If your husband is not obeying the word, if he's not a believer, then pray for him. Trust that by your witness, by your love of Christ, by the beauty of Christ that's in you, he would be one. Now, guys, here's verse 7. It goes on, and then he says, Husbands, likewise, dwell with them, that is your wives, with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. So he says, Wives, if you have an unbelieving or disobedient husband, win them by your very own witness in Christ. Husbands, if you have an unbelieving or disobedient wife, Dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel. You notice none of this is because we deserve it. We don't deserve honor. We don't deserve these things. But we give them freely in the grace of God, just as God freely gave his forgiveness to us. His mercy and his grace was freely given to us. But I want you to hear, men, in particular, this warning that Peter gives when he says, dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel and being heirs together of the grace of life that your prayers may not be hindered. So, men, be encouraged and be challenged today in the grace of God. And dwell with your wives with understanding that your grace, that your prayers may not be hindered. Amen? All right, let's open our Bibles to the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 4. Beginning in verse 25. And we're going to read down through verse 3 of chapter 5. Now last, not last week, Brother Ehlers was here last week, but week before last, I asked this question, what marks your life? Today I'm asking the question, whose image do you bear? Whose image do you bear? Let's read the scripture. Genesis chapter 4, verse 25, and Adam knew his wife again, and she bore a son and named him Seth. For God has appointed another seed for me instead of Abel, whom Cain killed. And as for Seth, to him also a son was born, and he named him Enosh. Then men began to call on the name of the Lord. Chapter 5, verse 1. This is the book of the genealogy of Adam in the day that God created man. He made him in the likeness of God. He created them male and female and blessed them and called them mankind in the day they were created. And Adam lived 130 years and begot a son in his own likeness after his image and named him Seth. Father in heaven, we ask that you would, as we look into your word today, as we look into the scripture, as we... Lord, declare the gospel as we read the gospel, hear the gospel, and declare the gospel, Lord, that you would, by the power of the gospel, touch us and change us and transform us, conforming us to the very image of the Son of God. Lord, open our eyes and open our ears and open our hearts that your powerful word would have entrance and so change us for your glory. Amen. So in this text, in Genesis 4, through these verses, first three verses of Genesis 5, we see that after Cain had killed Abel and Cain was banished and became a vagabond wandering the earth, it says that Adam knew his wife again and she bore him a son and named him Seth, which means God has appointed or God has put him here. God has appointed another Seed for me is what Adam and Eve declared through naming their son Seth. In Seth, it says when he was born, when he came through Adam and Eve, if we look at verse 3, it says Adam begot a son in his own likeness after his image, and named him Seth. Now, I want to draw your attention to uh, just a few pages back in the first chapter of Genesis. I want you to notice verse 27, Genesis 1, It's written, So God created man in his own image, In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. So God created man in his own image. And then Genesis 5.3 says that when Adam begot Seth, he begot Seth in his own likeness after his image. So we see something has happened. We have the creation before the fall. And man created Adam in his image, in his likeness. Then we have the fall. And after the fall, when Adam begats children, it says very clearly that when Seth was born, he was begotten in the likeness and the image of Adam. Now here's the gospel application. Until we are born again of the Spirit in Christ, we bear the image of fallen Adam produced in us, that is along with all humanity. Through our first birth. So in our first birth of the flesh. We bear the image of fallen Adam. It's only in being born again. That we shed that image of fallen Adam. And we are brought into Christ. And thus we become the image bearers of Christ. Through the new birth. Of a new creation. So. We are all image bearers, and we should know whose image that we bear. Now, we all bear the fingerprint of God. God created man, and mankind, unique of anything else in his creation, it is said that mankind was created in the image of God. Really, all of creation bears the the fingerprint of God, but man specifically was created to bear the image of God. Man falls, and he falls into sin and to death. And then it says when man or when Adam produces children, those children are produced in his own likeness, in his image. So the the fact that we are all image bearers is real. The question is, whose image do you bear? And whose image we bear will not only determine what marks our life, it will determine our eternal estate. Whose image you bear will determine your eternal estate. Now let's go back to Genesis chapter 1 and let's look at a law, a principle. I like to call it a law. We have for you, um, you know, science geeks out there, who could probably quote the laws of therm of uh, what do they call the laws of physics, the law of thermodynamics, and you, you understand what all of this means. I don't really understand what it all means. I do understand, in a very basic level, what it all means. As a matter of fact, yesterday when we were up on top of that building, I was very aware of the law of gravity. Very aware of it. And I, I don't, I, I can maybe not can explain to you scientifically exactly how gravity works. So I have, a, I have a pretty good idea about gravity. That when we, when our feet leave whatever is solid here, the earth is just going to pull us down to itself. So I was very careful yesterday to not let the earth pull me down to the ground because it would have hurt really bad had that happened. So yesterday I I, I operated under the law of gravity and I had great respect for the law of gravity because I, I have an inherent understanding of what will happen to me if I violate that. That's why I don't jump out of airplanes with or without a parachute. It just doesn't seem natural to me. And uh, so anyways, Genesis 1.11, let's look at another law here. Let's just call it the law of creation or the law of reproduction. Genesis 1.11, then God said, let the earth bring forth grass, the herb that yields seed and the fruit tree that yields fruit according to its kind. Or we could kind of shorten that and say, let the earth bring forth according to its kind, whose seed is in itself on the earth. And it was so. We could look at verse 24. So this is why when you plant apple seeds, you get apple trees. Or when you plant peach seeds, you get peach trees. And they produce peaches. Let's look at verse 24 of Genesis 1. Then God said, let the earth bring forth the living creature according to its kind, cattle and creeping things and beasts of the earth, each according to its kind, and it was so. This is why when your cat gets pregnant, you don't wonder for however many weeks whether it's going to produce dogs or birds. You know, when your cat's pregnant, it's going to produce kittens. Or when your dog's pregnant, it's going to produce dogs. Or when mama is pregnant, she's going to have a human baby because... Everything produces after its own kind. This is a law of creation. It's a law of reproduction. God created the earth and all that is in it to operate according to this law. So, not only are you born with the DNA of your parents, you are born with the DNA of your first father in the flesh. Who is that? That is Adam. Adam is our first father. In the flesh. So we're born with his DNA. What kind of DNA do we have? We have human DNA. Because Adam was the first man. He was the father of mankind. And so we have his DNA. But not only do we have his natural DNA. But we are born with his spiritual DNA. Thus is the problem that we all have until we are born again. So Adam brought forth children in his own likeness after his image because that's the way God created things to operate. So Adam produces children in his own likeness after his image in the flesh. So we're all born into humanity because we are all born into Adam. And we are born we are all born into sin and death because we are all born into Adam. So do we have a scripture that affirms this? Yes, we do. 1 Corinthians 15:22 says, "For as in Adam all die, let's just stop right there." A very simple statement. But the implications of this very simple statement are great beyond our comprehension. For in Adam, all die. Now we've said this often before. You've heard me use this theme and talk about this quite often because it's so very important for us to understand that we all, every human being that comes into this life, Every human being born into this earth, into this world, is born into Adam. Because every human being came from that first man. We still bear his natural, biological DNA. What's often lost is the fact that we also bear his spiritual DNA and that is really the more important of the two if we're going to understand something listen modern medicine is never going to give us eternal life though man wants to believe that it will it will not because only god is the author of eternal life only god holds eternal life within, within his grasp within his power i mean read the new test i mean read the old testament before the flood and you see that the oldest recording man live, recorded man lived to be 969 years old. We can't even come close to that. That wasn't eternal life. That was just long life. Methuselah lived to be 969 years old. We, we can't get anywhere close to that. If we could, we would just... I mean, man would be so proud of himself if he could produce longevity like that. Now, listen... 969 years is nothing in light of the eternal life that we have in Christ. So God holds eternal life within his grasp. So here's a truth. As in Adam, in Adam all die. But thankfully that's not the end of the story, that's just the beginning. For the gospel declares not only our birth into Adam's death, but it But it declares our new birth into Christ's life. So at the very beginning of the scripture, at the very beginning of the creation account, God shows us Adam and he shows us Adam's fall. And we understand that because of Adam's fall in the very beginning, we are all fallen. We have all been born into death. But let's read all of 1 Corinthians fifteen twenty two. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. Are we universalist? We are not universalist. You know why we're not universalist? Because the Bible does not teach universal salvation. All humanity is born into Adam. Who are those born into Christ? All humanity who have been born again. So as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. So Adam brought forth children in his own likeness after his image. Christ brings forth children in his own likeness after his image. Go over to John chapter 1. well we know how adam brings forth children or at least many of us here do and we'll just leave it at that and you parents can talk to your children about the rest of that story but how does christ bring forth children how does god bring forth children John chapter 1, let's look at verse 12. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. To those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but but of God. So who are the children of God? As many as received him, he gave to them the right to become children. Children of God, those who were those who believe in his name who were born of God. When we're born of Adam, we're born into sin and into death. When we're born of God, when we're born again of God, we are born into the life of Christ. It is in birth we came to bear the image of Adam in the flesh, it is in birth. We come to bear the image of Christ in the spirit. One is the first birth of the flesh, and one is the new birth of the Spirit. Let's go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, First Corinthians chapter 15. <clears throat> So everyone born in Adam dies. Everyone in Christ, all in Adam die, even so all in Christ are made alive. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, let me just read verse 49 to you, and then we're going to read verse 49 in context. 1 Corinthians fifteen forty-nine says, And as we have borne the image of the man of dust, that's Adam, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly man, that is Christ. So in our first birth of the flesh, we bear the image of the man of dust, that's Adam. In our new birth, when we're born again, we bear the image of the heavenly man, that is Christ. So to bear the image of the heavenly man is only possible, how? Through a new birth, or as Jesus said, you must be born again. So 1 Corinthians chapter 15, let me begin in verse 45. And so it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last, Adam, became a life-giving spirit. However, the spiritual is not first, but the natural, and afterward, the spiritual. The first man was of the earth, made of dust. The second man is the Lord from heaven. And was as was the man of dust, so also are those who are made of dust. And as is the heavenly man, so also are those who are heavenly. And as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall bear the image of the heavenly man. Who's Paul talking to here? He's talking to the church. He's talking to believers. He's talking to those who were once in Adam and in death who have now been born again, in Christ and have come to bear the image of Christ, who have come to possess the eternal life of Christ. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruptions. Oftentimes people ask me, why does there have to be death? Here is the answer. The scripture gives us the answer. This is why our flesh and blood must pass away. It is the grace of God that allows us to be released from this flesh and blood because flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Paul goes on in verse 51. He says, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. That word sleep there means die. The New Testament uses the word sleep. It's a metaphor to help us understand that those who physically die whose bodies physically die in christ they don't really die their bodies just go to sleep awaiting a transformation that will take place one day paul writes in his letter to second to the corinthians in his second letter and he says we know to be absent from the body or to be physically dead is to be present with the lord so what what about my body well it's asleep it's like a seed that's planted in the ground. And God one day will call that, cause that dormant seed to spring forth in new life. And he says, behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all die, but we shall all be changed. Listen, Paul, he clarifies this in his letter to the Thessalonians when he says, those who are alive and remain. He starts that out in verse 13 of 1 Thessalonians 4. I don't want you to be ignorant about those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. And he says, You know that at the coming of the Lord, we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with the Lord in the cloud. Those who have died already, their bodies will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them. And so we will always be together. Christ will bring that seed to life one day. Why? Because it's because you have already been born again, because you have already received eternal life by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. You once were dead in Adam, but by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, you were born again and given eternal life. Amen. So this is why Jesus says what he says. Go over to John chapter 3. The only place in the New Testament where we see this phrase, born again. Now, it talks about birth, and it talks about... But Jesus is very specific here in John chapter 3. Let's begin in verse 3. Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus didn't understand what Jesus was trying to tell him, and he asked this question that sounds silly to us who are believers, but it wasn't silly to Nicodemus, and it wasn't silly to those who were trying to understand what Jesus was saying. He says, Nicodemus, how can a man, uh, Nicodemus says, how can a man be born when he's old? And Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Nicodemus knew exactly what Jesus was saying. You must be born again. And the only comprehension Nicodemus had for this was a natural birth. And he couldn't understand how that was going to happen. And Jesus answered and he said, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Jesus is emphasizing again, you have to be born again, Nicodemus. This is not a natural birth. This is a spiritual birth. Verse 6, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. That's our natural birth. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. That's our new birth or our spiritual birth. Do not marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. So all those in Christ shall be made alive. They shall bear the image of the heavenly man. But that is only possible through the miracle and the power of a new birth. Amen? So only God can do for himself what man cannot do for himself. Nicodemus says, how, how do I do this? How, how am I born again? How... How do I enter into my mother's womb a second time? And the answer to that is, you can't. Because that's not the birth that Jesus is talking about. Jesus is talking about a new birth. Not a birth of the flesh, but a birth by the Spirit of God. And only God can do for himself what you cannot do for yourself. In fact, you you didn't even have any You had absolutely no responsibility for your natural birth. God did that too. And God will cause your spiritual birth. Now what's interesting is this. I go back to that picture of of Jesus in Matthew's gospel, Matthew 19, where Jesus says, "Suffer the little children that they would come unto me. Such is the kingdom of God. Now there's uh, there is EJ back there holding Gideon, and you notice that Gideon is not trying to get away from his mama because he's afraid of his mama. In fact, very often when children are fearful of something, they want to run to their mother or they want to run to their father. If a stranger walks up to a child, it may the child may let the stranger, but but the child also may not let a stranger because he's a stranger. Jesus said we must become as little children. He's not saying we need to become ignorant. He's not saying we need to become unknowledgeable. He's not saying that we need, just need to be you know, young skulls full of mush who don't really comprehend much. That's not what Jesus is saying. I believe what Jesus meant is that we need to become like little children. Who who taught Benjamin to love his parents? Who taught you to love your parents? No, you came out of the womb in birth and you loved your parents. A child is born and a child experiences the love of its mother. There's not a book that the child has to read to learn how to love its mother or its father. There is something inherent in that child that causes that child to love its mother and its father. That that happens in, in our first birth, in our natural birth. The same thing happens in our new birth, in our spiritual birth. How do we love God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind? We do that through, through birth. When we're born again, we are born with the capacity to love our Father. Because the Father first loved us. Because the Father, Romans 5 says... We glory also in tribulation because we know tribulation produces patience and patience produces character and character produces hope. And hope does not disappoint because God has poured His love into our hearts by His Spirit. When a child is distraught, when a child is scared, why does a child run for its parent? Because there is something inherent that knows This is where love is. This is where my safety and my security is. When we're born again, there is something inherent in us. It's called the love of God, poured into our hearts by the Spirit of God that causes us to understand that God is where love is, that God is where my safety and my security is. And I grow up in that. I grow up in the knowledge of that. I grow up in the grace of that. I begin to comprehend more fully. And Jesus told all of those adults, don't lose your childlikeness. In other words, don't lose your natural inclination, or we could say your supernatural inclination, to run to God. Listen, that's what the new birth does for us. That's why we must be born again. And only God can do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. You can't read a book and make yourself love God that way. You can't find 3 or 7 or 12 or 25 or 125 easy steps to loving God better. No, no. No more than you can take a child from the womb of its mother and begin to teach them how to love that mother. There is just something inherent there. Why does that baby just rest on the breast of that mother and begin to suckle and be nourished there? Because God created it to be that way. Why is it when you're born again that something inside of you, inherent in you, just causes you to to cling to God because God caused you in your new birth to understand, to to do that. And just like a baby grows up to understand and to comprehend who his parents are, we grow up spiritually and we begin to comprehend and know who our Father in Heaven is. And as we grow in the grace and the knowledge of Christ, we should grow in our love of our Father God. To the point that we can say with the scripture that we love him with all our heart, with all our mind, with all of our soul, with all of our strength indeed. Who does that? God does that. God puts that in us. Man can only produce. How? Why do we know that's true? Because man can only produce after his own kind. Go back to Genesis This is why, again, when you plant the apple seed, you're going to get an apple tree. When you have cats that are pregnant, don't worry. You will have kittens, okay? If you have a dog that's pregnant and you hate cats, don't stress out thinking your dog might have kittens. Oh, God, I pray my dog doesn't have kittens. I hate cats. Lord, that would be the worst thing that could happen is my dog give me kittens. Don't worry about it. Your dog will never give you kittens. Because like produces like. Like begets like. Do you believe that? Have any of you ever been afraid that your dog might give you kittens? Or if you're a cat lover, that your cat's going to give you a dog? No, you don't worry about that. Why? Because whether you know it or not, it's a biblical, it's a God-given law and principle that like begets like. So man can only produce after his own kind. And Adam, the only thing being reproduced is darkness, Ephesians 5.8. The only thing being reproduced is sin and death, Romans 5.12-14. Only God can raise the dead. Only God can give a new heart. Only God can cause a man to be born again in the image of his son. Thus Jesus said, you must be born again of the spirit because only the spirit can produce spirit. Flesh cannot produce spirit. And spirit cannot produce flesh. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That means we need a savior. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. That means we have been saved. When we are born again, we become image bearers of the Son of God. We are raised up, not in our own life, in our own likeness, but we are raised up in the life of Christ. Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live. That old man's been put away, but it is Christ, the new man, the new life, the new creation that lives in me in the life I live. In the flesh, I live according to faith in the Son of God. So the question again, whose image do you bear? If you are still in your first birth of the flesh in Adam, you bear the image of fallen Adam, the first man. But when you are born again of the Spirit by the power of God, you bear the glorious image of the second man, Jesus Christ. So that begs another question. How do you know if you have been born again? The first question I would ask you is, do you love God? And if your answer is yes, then I would say, well, you can only love God because God first loved you. But let me give you a more detailed answer. Not really more detailed, but maybe in some ways even more simple. Cry out to God in repentance of your sin and sinful nature. And surrender yourself to Him, calling upon the name of the Lord. The only Savior. And the only name by which man may be saved. Cry out to Jesus. And be saved. And when you humble yourself and surrender to him. You can know that he will save you. And that you have become an image bearer of Christ. Or that you have become born again. You once were darkness but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Darkness begets darkness. Light begets light. You are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Bear the image of your Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's all stand. Whose image do you bear? Are you still dead in Adam, or have you been made alive in Christ? That's an important question. And if you don't know the answer to that question, I would encourage you to cry out to God. And He will do for you what you cannot do for yourself. You cannot cause yourself to be born again. Only God can do that. But when you cry out to God from a heart of faith, when you recognize the sinfulness of your nature in Adam and you realize that you are separated from God in sin and death, not by the things you do but by the very nature of who you are, It's not our behavior that separates us from God. It's our nature. And our behavior is a product of our nature. So the solution is not to learn how to behave better. The solution is to get a new nature. And you and I can't do that for ourselves. God must do that. But when we recognize that, what do we do? We cry out to God. And that very cry to God from a heart of faith is a gift of God's grace. And when you cry out to him and ask him to save you, you can have and should have the assurance that he has indeed saved you and that you have indeed become a new creation. Father, I pray today that you would, through the power of your gospel, through the power of the scripture, Lord, if there are any here today, Lord, who would question in their own heart, in their own mind, whether they have ever been born again, God, I pray that you would move on them by the power of your spirit, that the gospel message this morning would be powerful to save them, God, to the uttermost. And that, Lord, as they cry out to you from a heart of faith, Lord, your promise is that you will not put to shame those who call upon your name. That those who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Father, I pray that all of us, Lord, from the youngest of believers to the oldest, most seasoned saints among us, that God, we would all understand that the kingdom, the kingdom of God is pictured in a child who loves Because love has been poured out into the life and the heart of that child. And I pray God that you would help each and every one of us know. God we are never without the need of your love. That we are never without the need of your grace. That it's not our knowledge of the scripture. It's not our commitment to the things of God. that justify us, that entitle us to anything. But if we have attained to any measure, whatever it may be, small or great, we attain to that by the grace of God. If we have demonstrated any measure or level of commitment to the things of God, to God himself, Lord, we've not done that of ourselves. We've done that by the grace of God. And help us to be a people, God, who would never turn away from knowing our desperate need of your grace in all things. And help us, God, to be a people that would ever be grateful for the grace that you have shed abroad, poured into our hearts in more abundance than we can imagine. We thank you for your grace, God. We thank you for the salvation we have in Jesus Christ. We acknowledge our sinfulness. We repent of our sinfulness, God. Lord, we stand here, Lord, as the church and for the church. We say, God, let the church repent of her sinfulness. Let the church repent of her presumption. Let the church repent of her arrogance and her pride. Let the church humble herself. And let her return to her God. And let her feel the need and know the need of God's grace. Let us be a people that would humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. That you might heal our land. That you might heal us, God. We pray this, Lord. That you would be glorified in and through your church, your bride, your people. The very members of your body that we would see one another as joined together in the life of Christ, inseparable in life, desperately in need of one another in the life of Christ. Lord, bless your people, we pray for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.